everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day, evening, weekend, whenever it is you might be listening to this. Now, as you know, I always, I love talking wrestling. I love having guests on, learning about their, you know, foray into wrestling, hearing all about their careers. Sometimes I just like to talk about what I watch on TV. And today I am joined by a friend of mine, Jay's Retro, to just talk about some AEW. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this might be, I mean, hopefully this is okay. This might be like Jericho's uh, ECW debut when Paul Heyman lied to him and said that uh, the tape didn't work and it was just actually because Jericho's match was bad and he didn't want to air it. But um, if you have to give me some kind of excuse, like the recording broke down, I'll, I'll know it's because this just ended up not being all that good. No, no. You know, if you were to go back and listen to some of my, some of my early episodes, you'd see what I put out there and be like, well, I can't do any worse. So <laughs> I'll do my best anyway. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Can't, of can't course. Wait. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> we, we talk on online all the time, you know, just about what's going on, different things with wrestling. And I mean, me and you, we are, we are both big AEW fans. We, for all intents and purposes, what they're doing right now, like I'm, I'm fully invested. I love what they're doing. And I mean, I feel like you're in the same boat as myself. Absolutely. And I, and I even think the last couple of weeks of, uh, I think they're even doing something that they haven't really done before either, which is really exciting. If you think about the overarching story of Kenny Omega and hangman and the bucks and the Blackpool combat club and how that's kind of pulled in dark order is attached to that. You have Don Callis hanging over the whole thing. You have whatever he's doing with Takeshita too, that could potentially play into all this. And I know we've talked online before about how there's a ton of unfair AEW criticism online uh, mm-hmm. that I think is some of it is fair, but most of it is, is just kind of weird, uh, weird criticisms that are based on faulty premises and, and casual fan trying to appeal to casual fans that don't really exist and, and bad faith arguments. But one thing that I was kind of hoping that they would do a better job of, especially as someone who watched a lot of nitro um, and has gone back and binge watch a lot, a lot, of, a lot of that stuff. Nitro had that NWO story that was kind of like all encompassing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways to its detriment at some point, but AEW doesn't do a lot of like, they have a big narrative through line through like a whole episode that is built on top of each other. And I I just feel like I'm so excited to see where this elite versus Blackpool combat club and the dynamic between Kenny and, and hangman goes. And the last couple of episodes I thought have been so good in terms of telling kind of show long stories that pull in all these different segments and matches in a way that they haven't really done before. So I'm super excited. And I think they're in a spot where, you know, heading into double or nothing a couple months from now and into forbidden door too, where they could be maybe not the best stuff they've ever done, but I'm super compelled to see the direction of where this story goes that, that big story in particular, because they haven't really, I don't think done a story quite like this before. 
No, and I don't think many wrestling promotions have touched a story like this because we're going on almost four years of a storyline, you know, like, but there's been so many different levels to it that they've been able to continue building off of it. And, you know, okay, you might not have it steady throughout the entire year, but there'll be flashes of it moments where you can go back and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, two months ago they had this angle or like, you know this moment and that's one thing that i i love that they've been able to do that and they're holding your attention with it as well i mean you don't have to be watching every program to stay involved especially with this storyline itself you know like you can watch just dynamite and have everything on a platter for you right there absolutely and that's and that's in one of those complaints too where people complain about rampage and uh, and things like that and it's like and and i i think some of it is fair but it's also like that's a, a show that you can just not watch. You could watch dynamite every week and you're totally fine. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and back to your point too, I think, you know, having that built in history of the hangman and Omega stuff. And that was really, I guess when they started teaming back in early 2020, I guess it was, that was the first story that they really did that got me hooked on an emotional level. That was like Cody and Dustin at double or nothing was fantastic. The Jericho Cody build I thought to full gear was awesome too. That concession stand brawl and all that stuff they did. But when they put those two guys together and gave them the tag team titles, I think they had a a match with the Lucha brothers in the lead up to that revolution match against young bucks. I was just like, this is working so well. And I remember that, that revolution match thinking how badly I wanted them to not lose the titles and and Mm then keep going with that. And then of course it went in all the directions that it did and they paid off with the great match at at full gear and hangman going over and that they have that built in. They've, as you said, they've been around long enough that they have that all that backstory that they can now play off of. And now they're, they're going back to it in a way that feels fresh and earned. And we're talking off the air about, you know, certain companies maybe not following through with their big stories, (laughs) like the, you know that this is going to be like you're going to be on a ride here and that the payoff is going to be incredible whatever it ends up being and like you said having that built-in backstory and just yeah the anticipation of where this this could go um is really exciting i think even like when you mentioned blackpool combat club and even hearkening back to the nitro days and nwo and like right now I know it's not as prolific as what the NWO was to Nitro, but seeing them in those backstage segments, you know, like beating up Stu Grayson when he's getting medical attention, like it reminds me so much about how they would just run run roughshod over WCW. Nobody could stop them. And like, it's almost slowly picking up steam like that. Like, I mean, as soon as I see Claudio Lawn Dart, one of the younger guys into <laughs> yeah. a trailer, that's, you know, <clears throat> it'll be side-by-side viewing, but it's one of those things where it's like, seeing them being able to more aggressive and really kind of branch out and do something different. Like I like that. It adds more to the battle with elite and just another layer to that storyline. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's a fresh direction for Mox. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, heading into the revolution match with hangman and I'm, and I was like, well, there's no way that they can continue this, but then, you know, I I thought really, you know, the only way they can do it is they lean heel and they did. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. such a fresh direction for him. It's exactly the direction that Claudio should go and Claudio going heel and playing heel 
you know, at Supercard of Honor against Kingston was exactly the role that he needs to be playing. I think it's helped out Wheeler Yuta a ton too yes. to get this rub from those guys. And putting him in a babyface position was exposing some things that he wasn't quite ready for, especially promo stuff. But letting him lean into the heel stuff is exactly what he needs to do. And even maybe another NWO comparison, but having Danielson turn heel, the unexpected, oh, the babyface is here to make the save like Hogan with the NWO. And uh, but then no turning on Omega and, you know, getting back to the idea of being able to play off some history, the idea of Danielson Omega part two potentially um, playing out here after that, you know, fantastic Danielson debut at, at Grand Slam in 2021 or whenever it was. But yeah, and th- th- definitely having that big heel faction, have they, is that even something they've really been able, I guess when Kenny was a heel in the Bucks, I guess they were, I guess they were a big heel faction, but not, not in this way in terms of like, you're right, like that this is a faction that you need to be worried about and intimidated by. Like this is, they're so different than, you know, Jericho Appreciation Society mm-hmm. and so different than the, even, you know, the pinnacle when they were around with MJF. Like this is a badass, kick-ass heel group that doesn't give a crap and is going to, yeah, and just run roughshod. And it is, it is refreshing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, when Danielson, you know, did that turn. And I mean, that was something that like, I, I mentioned it a few times that that was a work of art in my mind, because you saw like the crowd was right into his music hitting. He comes out there. And I mean, you know, you have Kenny, you know, questioning it like any wrestler would in that position, but seeing the crowd go from cheers to like audibly gasping. I mean, like as a viewer, that is what I want to see that emotion involved in a storyline. Because as soon as they did that, you got the pop of like, Oh shit, he's turning here. But then like, it just, nobody expected that. I mean, cause yeah. people would question like, what are they going to do with Danielson? Is he going to be a heel too? Because he hasn't been fully invested with the Blackpool combat club because of that feud with MJF. So to have that in the crowd reaction, like when I'm watching a program, that is what I want to see with the crowd. You know, like I want to know that they are like, they're shocked that they're, that they're able to, the storyline is holding on to all of their attention. Yeah. They, they played it so perfectly too. And I, I watched it back on the weekend and there's, there's about like three seconds where Kenny has his back to him in the corner and Daniel and Danielson's in the, in the other far corner. And he's kind of, you know, waving his arms around, like, and the, everybody knows he's about to hit, hit, hit his move and that Kenny's going to turn around and he's going to do it. And like, he played it so perfectly. And it's a fresh direction to, for Danielson too. Danielson is kind of leaned heel in like his in match mannerisms for almost his whole run even if you went and watch back omega and danielson that his debut match he, he plays heel a little bit in, in that match and just being like kind of like a, a little shit heel like getting an extra kick in here or there or whatever and so I, I feel like this is almost like a combination of like and maybe this is too much headcanon but like this is kind of the direction that he always wanted to go and this was like his opportunity to do that Mm-hmm. And I also think it's super refreshing and, and a credit to Kenny Omega that he got the baby face reaction in that moment that he got given kind of, he's another one that's been leaning kind of both ways or is a bit, a, a little bit undefined with, you know, Don Callis complicates things from a heel face dynamic there. But I, I also think that's a fresh direction of like, if they go full Kenny heel hangman with them bucks or sorry kenny babyface i should say and hangman babyface and the bucks babyface and have a true like blackpool combat club or the heels the elite of the babyfaces that's a fresh direction um too and 
yeah, what and just a nice shock too of like they didn't announce the Danielson stuff ahead mm-hmm. of time. He shows up as a complete surprise. His music hits. It's like, oh wow, like from kind of reporting and some of the things that he was saying in his post match promo, like it seemed like he was maybe going to be a, a, a longer than that. And you get the surprise of him coming down, the surprise of him. Cause I, I thought there was maybe a chance they were going to go Moxley Danielson as a one-on-one feud and have it maybe as Danielson comes back and he's not really supportive of the direction yeah. that they're going. But I think this is, I think this is the way to go and they, they can get to Danielson Mox somewhere down the line if, if they want to eventually go there. But I think having them as a full heel unit together is the right, right way to go. Uh, I mean, it's, I just want to mention this and then to branch off to my next point, but it's funny because a few weeks back with the Omega, uh Vikingo match. Um like I'm watching and then like at the end of the match, like I loved the match. I thought it was absolutely incredible. And then I was like, you didn't I had forgotten who the champion was at that time. And it was one of those things where like I forgot and I didn't care. Like it didn't matter to me to have a wrestling product like that where you can completely forget of who the face of the company is and still enjoy every aspect of that. That's yeah. almost unheard of as a wrestling fan. Um, unbelievable depth and and those Kenny being in this position now where we're getting singles Kenny Omega and we've now had him against these two attraction matches of you know Jeff Cobb from New Japan and Vikingo from AAA this is kind of what in a lot of ways AEW felt like it was going to be based off of and is kind of hit these moments here and there but I I think I'm right with you we we usually do a line on this stuff but I I even had that same thought um where I assume are you, you're talking about you you weren't quite sure that MJF was you kind of forgot that he was the champion yeah I forgot yeah, that's... he was the champ altogether <laughs> I had it's funny again maybe I drink too much beer when I watch wrestling that <laughs> might be part of it too but like when he came out with the title what was that segment that he came it was must have been the talking segment even I had that same title of like oh yeah MJF is the world champion and 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 credit to him that he is kind of taking a step back and that this other you know program is kind of taking center stage um but yeah, yeah, I, that's funny that you mentioned that because I, I had that thought the other week too. <laughs> it just, it kind of, you forget about it and you're like, oh shit, yeah, he's champ. And <laughs> yeah, to be able to have a program like that where the viewer can forget, like that's unheard of. But the, uh, you kind of see it the past few weeks and they're kind of laying out the path to double or nothing sort of. I mean, you have MJF involved in that, you know, the match where it seems it's going to be a four way with Jungle Boy, Darby and Sammy. You have that, you have, what seems like they're setting up a Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite four on four, and then after that we have um, almost it seemed like Adam Cole Jericho off of this past week's Dynamite. So to have you know three matches already that's almost unheard of for Tony Khan like two months out of a pay per view because you know he'll have his main event feud maybe a secondary feud but it seems like the three weeks before pay per view that's where he's hammering home. Like, oh, this is the match, this is the feud, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious to see and your thoughts on this if you think we're going to get a more of a more defined plan going into double or nothing, or if it's going to be more of the same. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I I might disagree with you there in terms of like, and again, I have to go back. Like, I feel like there are times where it's pretty clear what the directions are weeks and weeks out. But I think to your point, like they maybe don't come into such a clear or clearer focus until maybe mm-hmm. closer to the pay-per-view. But if you're kind of paying attention, you can kind of see long-term in terms of like 
the Ricky Starks Jericho stuff that seemed pretty clear, like weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. out from from Revolution and. You weren't quite sure that that was going to be the end game. Was it going to be another TV match? Was it going to be a pay-per-view? I think maybe Mox and Hangman was the same way. Danielson um, uh, and MJF felt like the same way. But that that I think the, the complicating thing is just, and I I think maybe it's not a bug and it's more of a feature just because of how special it makes them. But I do think the complicating factor of only having really four, or five, I guess, if you include yeah. Forbidden Door, uh, but having such a long space in between does lend itself to um where you can get kind of you just got you have to do tv only programs and kind of go week to week from there Mm -hmm. um so i don't know i i think maybe this is like you know the the darby and samoa joe stuff like in between full gear and revolution like that wasn't the pay-per-view match but they leaned on that a few different times and that was super successful i thought so i don't know maybe this is part and parcel of the usual stuff if we were maybe to sit back and really think and back to some of the pay-per-views that maybe this isn't quite different or maybe there's even some twists and turns like my anticipation is kind of like you that it will be and i i don't if you said an anarchy in the arena match maybe with the the blackpool combat club and um the elite like they did last year at double or nothing but maybe it'll splinter off where it's more single stuff or kind of split up or a tag amongst that group but i don't know i think maybe it's just kind of the same i think it's there's those directions are exciting I'm not maybe as high. I don't really, I, I hope it's not the four way uh, with MJF and, and jungle boy and Sammy and Darby. I just feel like to me, that's not quite headlining a, a pay-per-view caliber match. I would prefer, I would, I would rather it just be Darby or yes. um, that would be my preference. Or if they were going to do then jungle boy, Sammy to me is like, he's go away heat for me. Like I, I don't, I think he he'd be perfect if if you know AEW had like actually he has a, he has a match with Commander this week. That's kind of like the perfect put him with some of the lucha guys and and some of the lower then what what Sammy is good for is jumping off of ladders and doing like crazy moves. Like yeah. I have no investment in him as a top guy. Not not only do I not believe that he would win if he were ever to win a big match like that, it would be like go away heat for me. Uh so I I hope he's not in that spot. I hope they just go with Darby or maybe they bring CM Punk back and do a program with MJF and lead into double or nothing. That would be maybe the way I would do it. But um, I hope that's not the, the, the direction for the world title program, but the other two, and I think Jericho Adam Cole has a chance to be really good. And obviously we've praised the other program, but yeah, it certainly seems like those are the big stories right now for sure. Like with, with uh, I also, I don't want to see a four way. I feel like that's a cop out going into it's, you know, just trying to get as many bodies, onto a show as possible and it doesn't matter if it would be for a secondary title or even without you know like i'm not going to be as invested as i would a one-on-one especially with proper booking if you give me darby and mjf there's enough of a backstory there and you know darby is someone that i i believe one day will be AEW champion probably not yet but he has everything that all the tools so to say to be there and to be the face of that company i don't think it's nearly time now but you no. give me that match i will be much more into it than a four-way or a triple threat and i think there's ways to get there by you know in three weeks time having a triple threat match between the three of them the winner goes on to double or nothing there you go but right. i think I, jungle boy i think is almost more suited going for one of those secondary titles first that should be his stepping stone because they all have to have different paths for their you know championship destiny so to say 
I agree. And, and when jungle boy, you know, leading into the Christian match or coming right after saying, you know, it's time for me to go to sync first after singles gold. Now, I don't think anyone expected that that was going to lead to him in a program with MJF. Like I for sure thought it was going to be the TNT direction or the international title or one of the other mid card titles. Like this was not what I was expecting at all. And I thought last week's segment in ring segment was a big improvement from his typical promo stuff. Um, and I do think that it, there's an interesting dynamic and there's backstory with MJF and jungle boy that they can play off too. And that they have, but I'm with you. I think if it's going to be one of those guys do it with Darby, they already had that fantastic match at, uh, was it full gear? I, I think it was with Darby and MJF that opened the show. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think that was actually in a yeah, lot full of ways, gear 2021. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it felt like that was MJF's coming out party of like, I'm not just a promo guy, but I can work. Yes. And um, it elevated both guys, I thought. So I, I hope and, it's, and you can get Sting involved and that that would be an interesting kind of dynamic there. But yeah, Dar- Darby and MJF would be the direction that I go if it's between those four guys. I'm with you. It would be a cop out to do a four way. Those always just seem kind of like lesser than matches and and like you say just feels like it's getting a bunch of guys on the card to do this kind of cute pillars thing that again no one no one actually thinks sammy is a pillar if if you were to redo the pillars i feel like maybe even i don't know i i think i'm lower on jungle boy than maybe a lot of people i wouldn't even like put him as a pillar to me of like someone that you could say five years from now five years from now you could say definitively like that guy will be one of the top guys in the company i don't really feel like that's his ceiling either um so hopefully they go in a different direction than what it feels like they're laying out now anyway in terms of it just to me it would be a fantastic television main event pay-per-view main event that to me isn't isn't a top you know top billing for me Mm -hmm. i mean ultimately i think especially after this week's dynamite where you know adam cole's return i mean you have to think it's going to be him mjf at the september pay-per-view because they really they haven't been able to build up like a face the past, you know, a face star the past, you know, few months because everyone else has been involved in whatever. So to be able to build up Adam Cole, have him as a face main eventing against MJF. I mean, and he's someone who I could actually see winning the title, you know, having him as the face of your company, but um, that's just completely off topic. Uh, One thing I want to touch on from before, um, as you can tell, this is a very professional podcast as I jump back and forth. Um, Oh, I love it. It's conversation. The, the Kenny Omega Jeff Cobb match to me, seeing Jeff Cobb in that ring, he seemed like on another level than three quarters of the AEW roster. Like, he is where a guy like Miro should be right now, you know, like believably yes. high up upper card can main event a dynamite. You could slot him into the main event picture, but Jeff Cobb just came across as such a big deal. And he's, he's done that in, we're talking about multiple AEW appearances. Now, mm-hmm. if you remember back his, the first time was as that henchman in the Moxley Jericho yeah. when Moxley had the eye patch and stuff. And like, he just came, you know, appeared on that show. That's actually, if you go back, that's one of the best episodes of dynamite ever. I'm pretty sure that's the show in Atlanta with Wardlow and Cody in the steel cage match main event. And I think actually that had, I think that had Lucha brothers against, I think that, I think that's the Lucha brothers Omega hangman tag match that I was talking about before too. It could be wrong on that, but anyway, yeah, I, I am in total agreement with you on that. 
and that was also the start of Jeff Cobb working what, like seven matches in three days over WrestleMania weekend. Like he has the match with Kenny yeah. and then he does the Hitchcock show and the ring of honor show and the new Japan impact show. And I, I, I've wanted him in AEW for so long. I think he'd be such a great fit. The nice thing about having, you know, the AEW New Japan relationship is that you imagine we are going to see him again. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you and just like he's the prototype and Miro, I think that's a, a great comparison of like big, strong guy, kicks ass, is just that's what a pro wrestler should be. Like that, you think pro wrestler, it's Jeff Cobb. Um, I actually just anecdotally, my 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 son has gotten into wrestling as uh, in the last little bit, and he, he, the only Jeff Cobb match he's ever seen was the one with Kenny Omega, and he always asks, "Who are we counting on?" That's what he means, like who are we cheering for? Yeah. And I I said Kenny Omega, and he said, "Well, I want to cheer for that guy," and and I told him, "Well, that's Jeff Cobb." He's like, "Well, he's big and strong, so I want to cheer for that guy." <laughs> so even Jeff Cobb is impressive. My uh, four and a half uh, year old son, who just saw him for the first time uh last week so yeah big fan of of jeff cobb on this end too and just such a treat that we get those like well let's just have jeff cobb come in this week and have a match with kenny omega like Mm -hmm. what kind of a promotion do we have here that it can just that can happen and it's almost like we're talking about it but i feel like you know most people have like forgotten it by now and moved on to the next thing but like we're just so spoiled with a promotion like this that you can just have here's kenny omega against jeff cobb for the iwgp us championship on you know seemingly random dynamite and jeff cobb just gets that chance to completely show out and have a completely different match with you know omega than omega had the week before which is just it's so so awesome to get a chance to see that stuff um yeah you mentioned that and it's funny because like we had the cobb omega match but then like it's 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 a fantastic match, great match, you know, like on the observer, I think we got, you know, 4.25 stars or whatever to like, and then you have that Wednesday and then Thursday night already, you have another match that everyone's already forgotten about Omega and Cobb. We're living in a time now where there's so many incredible matches and it's happening consecutively that we almost don't get the chance to appreciate the stuff we do see. Oh, I agree. And it's why a lot of the times I will like go back and cause it's so much of the dynamite experience for me is like interacting with, you know, people like you on Twitter during and like, you know, tweeting out how excited we are in a way that sometimes it does distract me from the show. And I feel like I miss yeah. stuff. So <laughs> I usually try to go back and, and there'll be like, like I rewatched that Cobb match this, this weekend and, or maybe, or actually, I guess it wasn't this weekend. It doesn't matter. It was Thursday night or whatever. And uh, because there's so much good stuff that happens in a single episode that you'll and you know that you'll be like oh my gosh I, oh yeah that happened and then you, you I, I feel compelled to go back and watch you know especially if there's a, a standout match that i've got to go back and watch it because i feel like i didn't you know have a chance to drink it all in you know the first time mm-hmm. like even the bandito jericho match from this past yes. September, I think. oh my god yes like what a fucking incredible match and that's one i've gone back to do rewatch a few times because like bandito he debut match comes across as like the biggest deal in the world and gets him a contract because of that, you know, like yeah, everything about it. I love, that's what I want to see on weekly TV. And like, we get that, you know, we get those opportunities where it's a, a, you know, like we talked about before, a star coming in from outside, having a fucking banger of a match. And like, yeah, all of us are loving it. We're talking about it. 
you still get other you know storylines and matches throughout like it's it's almost like a perfect tv show like i think sometimes we we don't appreciate dynamite for as good as it is amen brother that i that is 100 my thought on on the show too and bandito danielson from january i remember watching that and it was in the aftermath too it was within a couple weeks of osprey and omega at wrestle kingdom and like to me that's my and i'd have to go back i do try to keep a list of my favorite matches as we go and then i'll I'll get behind on a couple weeks but i feel like danielson and bandito is my second best match of the year. And in that, and Danielson and Bandito, I think that's what I said. That's what yeah. I meant. And no, has anyone mentioned that match? Like that is a legit match of the year. When was the last time anyone mentioned Bandito versus Brian Danielson? And it was like, to me, it was a near five-star match that we got for free on, on TV, on the build up to MJF danielson which actually i guess shoot now that i think of that i guess the iron man match was was maybe better than that but it's like oh man and, and you mentioned jericho bandito like we got jericho ishii on yeah. dynamite when they slapped the shit out of each other and it was incredible and 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 too if, if you don't if you'll indulge me for a second like you, ha- you got me thinking about jericho and like speaking of unfair criticisms and like some of the worst takes online are the ones that you'll see about jericho but like what name the a top guy in his position historically in wrestling um at least in modern history where jericho has and i mean action andretti is another perfect example but bandito comes in jericho you know is so giving in terms of the selling form how he lays out the match all that stuff bandito looks like a million bucks he gets a contract out of it like all these people that make criticisms of Jericho as if he's some like guy that always wants to go over and doesn't make other guys look good. It's like, what are, what are you watching? You, you are living in a different reality than I am. If that is your criticism of Chris Jericho, who will have these guys, he'll have fantastic matches with these guys out of nowhere, you know, loses all the time by the way, but also he can't lose all the time or when he loses that will lose the specialness of him. So it's not like, he has to win sometimes he's Chris Jericho, but anyway, you just, you, you brought up a whole thing that I, that's another thing I, I'm always bringing up on Twitter and seeing really bad takes about that too. It's like Jericho is the fucking man. And anyone who doesn't think that is uh full of shit in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's <laughs> what I'm going to ask you. And I think for the most part, I think people are very on the same side of the fence with this one. Um, do you think CM Punk comes back and do you want him back? I thought that question might come. Um, I think he is coming back and I also would like him to come back. Now, of course, I'm not Tony Khan that has to manage uh, all of the locker room dynamics with him there. And I'm not even the biggest CM Punk fan in the world. Like I, you know, I'm team Mox and team hangman and, and, and team Jericho in terms of if I had to pick sides of who I would you know be rooting for in a hypothetical shoot fight scenario, I guess, or whatever. But to me, AEW's peak has been when CM Punk was there. And to me, he raises the, he raises the ceiling of what AEW could be from a creative standpoint. And I think for those reasons, I want him back. I also think, of course, if the guys, those top guys are willing to work with him, then those are some, you know, creatively 
fantastic, you know, possibilities of, you know, go up and down the line, especially like CM Punk against the elite, but you go back to Mox, you go back to Hangman. There's so many matches that CM Punk has not had in programs with top guys and, and guys up and down the roster that, you know, it kind of seems like he was there for longer, but he was there really for less than a year of total time because of injury time that he was away. Yeah. Um, so I want him back. I think that he will be back too. I mean, the Dave reported in the observer, observer last week that essentially there was an agreement for him to come back. And I think if it's that far along where they've had those talks that it, it does kind of feel inevitable. Like to me, it would be silly if like an Instagram post kind of blew this up like that. It seems far fetched to me that that would be some kind of last straw. If you're willing to bring a guy back who punched an EVP in the face and buried the company during a, a public press conference. And it seems like a social media post that got deleted is, is not something that's going to prevent that from happening. Ha- having said that, sorry to be long-winded here, but like if AW 100% does not need CM Punk and uh, which they've shown since, you know, there was obviously that cloud that was hanging over the company there in the aftermath of all yeah. out. And I was maybe a little bit higher on that point in the company than most people, but you, there was no doubt that that was a big distraction. And it was, you know, if you were a hardcore AEW fan, that was a downtime. And in a way that I could see Tony Khan being like, I don't want to have to deal with this again. It does feel inevitable that there'll be, if you do bring them back, you need to be prepared for the inevitability that there's probably going to be some kind of maybe hopefully not as big of a blow up as the press conference, but there will be something that's going to happen again that you have to manage that will be maybe embarrassing to the company because that's the kind of, that's what's inevitable when you're dealing with, with CM Punk, I think. But so I would say AEW doesn't need him from a business perspective. I also, I don't know. What do you think in terms of like, I'm talking too much here, but I have thought a lot about this from a, a business perspective. If you're, if you're sitting in Tony Khan's shoes, what would you kind of expect in terms of, you know, television ratings, live event attendance, um, pay-per-view buys. Like if, if you're bringing CM Punk back, what is kind of your, if you think, if you're sitting in Tony Khan's spot, what are your expectations in terms of business wise, where he can kind of take you or what the ceiling is? And, and cause that's kind of what I'm wearing in my head. If I'm Tony, like what kind of business influence do I really think he's going to have? And if it's maybe not as big as, what I would hope is it, is it worth the headache for Tony to bring him back? I guess. Like if you knew that you could bring him back and, you know, whether it's, you know, doing him and FTR against the elite or whatever it might be, if you knew you could bring him back and, you know, consecutively hit that million viewer mark on Wednesdays, then I think it's worth it, especially with their TV deal coming up. I think it's at the end of this year. So it's it's tough because I don't know if bring him back will get those viewers. Like mm. obviously the hardcores and the diehards, they're going to tune in because it's CM Punk. And I mean, it's a huge deal, but to get more of the casuals in to boost that number up, you're, I think you get that first week where it's going to be, you know, one, one, maybe 1.2, even you're going to get that. But then the next week, my fear is that right away it drops back down and that it doesn't pay off in the end. Right. As a wrestling yeah. fan, like for what I want to see, yeah, I'd love to see him back because there's so many different matches that we still haven't gotten that, you know, I'm, I'm just being greedy. I want to see that. 
but absolutely to be able to build off of that feud because there is a massive storyline that you can tell and if you tell it right like i think that tony khan could it can do big yeah. business i but, think so too i i think so too i hope it happens um yeah i i, I really do want it to happen it just especially now if he's not willing to work with the elite i, I would still bring him back too or, or vice versa because mm-hmm. I think there's the, the talent roster is deep enough that you you have years of programs that you can still do. That's one of the things that bummed me out about Cody going uh, too is that you think about all the programs that they they didn't do. This is actually something I was thinking about the other day of like sometimes I do feel like Tony Khan is almost too conservative of a booker in terms of like um, and again all any criticism I have of Tony or AW is couched in the by the way, I think this is by far the best wrestling promotion of my lifetime. And this is, <laughs> and this is just like something that I was thinking about the other day, but like when, how often do we get star versus star matches on, on dynamite? Like you, you know, we have Omega and Danielson that we talked about Omega Moxley for the title Moxley Jericho at quake at the lake. We've had hangman Danielson Moxley hangman, but like, you know, that's almost like the full extent of like star versus star. And I feel like, you know, Tony maybe holds on to some of these dream matches for too long or these programs. And then we just like never get them. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my disappointment with Cody. And that, that would be my disappointment with, with punk too, of like, man, we, we really, we haven't gotten Kenny, Kenny and punk. And that would be a huge bummer if we never got that. We, we haven't gotten Danielson and punk in AEW either. Um, we didn't, I really wanted Cody and punk. It doesn't seem like that's, uh, <laughs> well, maybe Cody will want to come back now. Um, you never know. but, but, uh, yeah, so that I, I'm with you there in terms of like, and again, I don't have to worry about Tony Khan's perspective. Thankfully, as a fan, I just think I, I want him back because I think it's a better company with him there. But I also think, from a creative standpoint, and even from a business standpoint, it, it felt like in the aftermath of All Out that this was something that was going to be harder for them to recover from. But by the time they had fully regrouped and like from full gear on, and especially like in the aftermath of full gear, they went on like a 10 week run there where dynamite was like, to me, almost like some of the best stuff they've ever done. Mm-hmm. So from a creative perspective, they don't need them from a business perspective. They don't need them either, but I would be bummed out as a fan if he never comes back because there's so much interesting stuff on the table and he's, he's a great wrestler. His promos get you invested. Um, and he's a major star. And, and t- to me, wrestling is more interesting when there's more stars yeah. and, so I, I hope he comes back. And I, I do think he's going to come back too. So I hope, I hope I'm right. And I'm also thankful that I do not have to manage any of the egos and the backlash of him going back into that locker room, because I feel like that would be a nightmare, but good luck to you, Tony, please bring him back and uh, do your best to do a, maybe a better job of managing the egos <laughs> this time. <laughs> you know why it was such a good stretch of dynamites for, you know, 10 weeks after is because we got the best of seven and the young bucks are yes. incredible. So, I mean, I will, I'm with you, man. I'm I with you. Unregrettably always put them over. Because... Well, by the way, we back to our talk before, when was the last time someone mentioned that best of seven series that we got like, yeah, that's another thing that is just like, Oh, by the way, here were all of these creatively different, but also excellent matches that we got, you know, from November to January or whatever. And it's like, who, what, I weren't, no one, it's not even part of the discourse anymore, but um, yeah, it's wild. 
we had Darby versus Kushida headlining yes, a dynamite, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. nobody talks about it. And no. it's like, fuck yeah, it's Kushida. That's incredible. Yeah, we're spoiled, <laughs> man. We're spoiled. <laughs> um, I want to touch on Ring of Honor and the Supercard of Honor, and then I'll yeah. let you go. I mean, all in all, what were your takeaways from that? Did you enjoy the pay per view? Because I know you were watching it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought, yeah. uh, I thought it was you know, one of the best shows of the year, I suspect by, obviously it's only, well, it's April now, uh, but, you know, I feel like by the end of the year, I hope that's something, you know, along with this theme that we've been talking about of people just forgetting awesome stuff that happens. But <laughs> I, I hope that it's in that discussion. I feel like it, it could, we were talking, I think this, this was maybe before we started recording, but, you know, I would have put Mark Briscoe over Samoa Joe. I, yeah. I felt like that was the right moment to do it. Um, but, you know, in, in the same way that I don't think Vince or Triple H deserve the benefit of the doubt, I think Tony Khan absolutely does. And and maybe he feels like, you know, we're only five episodes into Ring of Honor television that maybe if he gets a little bit more time from a week to week perspective of, you know, building that story up um, that, you know, maybe having Mark Briscoe beat him in a rematch will, will feel like a bigger deal. But I thought it was, you know, what a diverse card, right? Like a main event heavyweight battle between Claudio and Kingston that has all that backstory that they played into. The crowd was so into the end of it. That latter match was just, could you, like, has there been a better ladder, you know, uh, high spot, spot fest type of match like that? I can't remember one. Um, yeah, up and down, I, I thought it was fantastic. Getting Tanahashi last minute, like, yeah. TK just text, just tweeting out like, by the way, Tanahashi and Daniel Garcia is going to be on the pay-per-view. And um, I thought, I thought it was the best ring of honor show of, of Tony Khan's era of booking it. It maybe didn't have the highs of, of FTR and the Briscoes, but from like a top to bottom, I feel like, I think pretty easily it's the best ring of honor show that Tony Khan has booked and, and produced. And I, I thought it was 40 bucks well spent for, from my perspective. And I'm, you know, I haven't really been, I've been, I've been watching every ring of honor, but kind of skipping through parts of it. I watch it on delay. I don't watch it live, mm -hmm. but like to me having this third, you know, big promotion or really the second promotion that I'm actually watching with any kind of um, well, from a week to week basis, like I love that there's just this, you know, the Tony Khan has this other promotion that he's booking that you can kind of check in on week to week and, and kind of check out what, what stands out from the, the weekly standpoint. And then like these ring of honor pay-per-views have all been killer. Like if, if, if you aren't checking out ring of honor pay-per-views, you have, you absolutely have to there. They've been so good so far. And so, yeah, I, I was, I know, sorry, I'm, I'm being long winded here, but what, what did you think about it? I was blown away by it. I, thought it was really good. I, I loved it. My only complaint and it's ridiculous that it's a complaint is that I would have not wanted the commander match as early as it was mm. because like to, I, I love that match. Like that is, I, I mean, I know a lot of people complain like, Oh, they're waiting for the spot or they're waiting for the next move, but that's fine with me because you know what, you, you know, what's being played like laid out for you. It's going to be something special. So yeah. like, the match was incredible. And I think people compared it to the match they had the night before at the uh, Mark Hitchcock show with Black Tarus, mm -hmm. which uh, I still need to see, but they said it was, you know, just as good as that one. And everyone raved is raved about that. So maybe to have that more in the middle of the card, because coming off a high like that, it was, I was into the rest of the card, but I feel like it not as much as I should have been. Sure. And I mean, it's an impossible match to follow. How do you, how, wow. 
who from there's going to be whoever what was was it the six-man title match that was in that spot that had to follow it yeah it was the trios match and they did a good job like maintaining the interest and because they without a doubt could have just died in that spot but there's enough talent in there that they were able to you know like if there is any sort of a lull they got everyone right back into it right i i I kind of just feel like with AEW ring of honor that's you just got to bring your work and shoes and like you know that behind you know before you and behind you on the show is going to be probably a four-star minimum match and Mm -hmm. like i i don't really i i agree i think what you're saying is fair and i but i also just think it's like no matter where you put that match on the card it's like where how how does a a worker follow that or even you know like you're almost in you're 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 spoiled by having so many good options that where do you even put this stuff on a show if you're putting it together yeah you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and like to for that to be the one complaint it's like who really cares you know like because you got that match you got that incredible ladder match um you got the the women's match with athena and yuka which Mm. was very entertaining and i mean one thing from that uh ladder match to that i want to mention was like the kingdom like i hadn't watched too much of their stuff in ring of honor so like i knew of them but like didn't i didn't watch before so to me all of their stuff is brand new but like i'm fully invested in them like the the doomsday to the outside was great bennett and roosh going like toe to toe for like what seemed like two minutes like fuck give me a singles feud between those two like give me a tag feud i want to see more of them and the the end sequence with uh eddie and claudio like i was teary-eyed watching eddie because like i fully thought he was going to win after kicking out at one i was like fuck he's actually going to do it and like yeah. It was great. That was a work of art. Yeah, I was in the same boat. And I, it's funny I say this because I didn't really think Kings was going to win, even though I bet money on him winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they totally got me in that finishing sequence. And I was like, holy shit, he's going to win. And like, I would, and to, to me, Eddie Kingston wing, winning a world title is like, especially, and I almost, in, in some ways, I don't even really want him to win the Ring of Honor title because I want him to win the AEW title. That, to me, and MJF has dropped his name a few different times, and especially when his reign started in some promos of you know him having these list of guys that he mentions. And he, I'm pretty sure, if my memory's right, he, he mentions Eddie Kingston last in almost all of them, which to me makes me wonder if, and I don't know if Tony would pull the trigger on it or trust him enough to put him in that spot, but to me from like an emotional investment perspective, me, you know, hangman winning against Kenny was like maybe the most emotionally invested I've been in something since, you know, I was a kid, mm-hmm. but like Eddie winning the big one in AEW to me is probably the most satisfying finish that of a match I can think of right now in terms of my own personal fandom. And, but they got me, they had me, Oh my gosh, they had me. And and it just, and Claudio is such a good heel. This is the perfect, just maybe to bring it full circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the Blackpool Combat Club, but he is such a good heel and they worked such a, such a good match that was different from any other match on that show. And they had me too. I thought he was going to pull it off and then they took it away from us. But that's one that I think clearly is like, whether it's, you know, down the road, him winning the ring of honor world championship, maybe it's final battle or whatever, or if they hold off and and do it in AEW, that to me is the kind of from just my own personal fandom perspective, the, the story that I am most 
hoping gets played out. Yeah. Uh, now you had my mind thinking there. So, okay. MJF retains a double or nothing, goes to full gear, beats Adam Cole, cuts a promo, does the Eddie Kingston bit again. Hmm. Week later, two weeks later, Kingston shows up, does whatever he has to, gets the title shot at full gear, wins the title. That's his win. He's the one who dethrones MJF. Yes. But it is a short reign, and he loses to heel Mox at Winter is Coming. Ooh, oh my. And that's, uh, honestly, I think Kingston, I view him as like Mick, a Mick Foley type where, and again, you want to talk emotional investment as a kid, like him. I loved Mick Foley so much when I was a kid. I read his books. I felt mm-hmm. like I knew him and, and I want, you know, he was like during that era of WWF, he was like the biggest baby face to me. And I just love Mick Foley. And I view Kingston kind of in that same kind of vein yeah. of similar build kind of has that ability to promo that just grabs you by the heart. And um, I think that that kind of scenario is exactly what it should be like. Eddie's about the chase, right? Like it's not about, he's not going to, he's not going to have the title for six months and defend it over the course of two or three pay-per-views. And it's like, that's, that doesn't make narrative sense for someone, a character like him. He's about the struggle and, and the chase. So that to me, oh my God, imagine all the stuff that they could play off of a Mox, Mox as a heel, taking that from him and given all the backstory. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Yes just you know it's nice when those things kind of roll together and you're like fuck that would be good uh, blair for booker of the year right <laughs> um like a chance if you want to plug anything twitter anything like that uh have at her just yeah jay's retro on twitter i i, I don't know why anyone would really want to follow me my tweets are usually bad but uh, i do tweet <laughs> about uh wrestling and the blue jays sometimes and sometimes i'll Oh yeah, wrestling bets. I'll tweet about that. I'll post pictures of food every once in a while, but I don't. I don't really have anything to to plug. Just yeah, if you want to, uh, especially Wednesday nights, pretty active tweeting about yeah. dynamites. I do. I do really enjoy. One of the things I like about Twitter the most, and and one of the things I like about AEW is that it has like it has introduced me to people like you and other fans too that just love this so much and love talking about it and appreciate it for you know, kind of what it is, which again, I think it's, it's the best wrestling promotion this is my own opinion, but of, of my lifetime and just having a chance to talk about it on Twitter with some other people that love it too, is, is a lot of fun for me. So yeah, Jay's retro on, on Twitter, if you're so inclined. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Thanks man. L- love to talk. Thank you so much to Jay's retro for joining me here on the Grain maker wrestling podcast. Thank you to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod, up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, up on all podcast streaming platforms. You can also find me doing streaming up on Love Wrestling, so definitely check them out. And I've got t-shirts for sale, 25 bucks a piece. You can look very fashionable this spring. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.